Welcome to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. To learn more about Hope, including our worship opportunities, visit HopeChurchMemphis.com. Today's message comes from Senior Associate Pastor Eli Morris. I know it's kind of hokey, but I always get inspired when a new year rolls around. I mean, new, new beginnings have always been motivating to me. They're cleansing. And new beginnings are hopeful. And here's one more thing. New Year's reminds us that we only have so many of them to work with. And I think we'd all like to leave this place having made a difference in some way. Well, today we're talking about the starting point for making a difference. Making a difference starts with commitment. It starts with commitment. History teaches us that it doesn't take a lot of people to change the world. It just takes a fully uh, committed few. It takes a small group of colonists signing a Declaration of Independence in 1776 or a handful of black pastors in a Montgomery, Alabama church basement in 1954 or a group of 12 disciples 2,000 years ago. The Bible says that God is looking for people to use, but he's looking for something special. Second Chronicles 16, nine says this, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. God is looking for committed folks. What are, what are you committed to? I was thinking about that for myself recently. This past week, I was fully committed to eating everything placed before me. And I did a really good job of it. But as many of you know, for the past 44 years, I've been a committed runner. Not a great runner, um, not, not an accomplished runner, but a committed runner. And part of my running commitment, and this may sound a little whack, but part of my running commitment has been from the very beginning the recording of every mile I've run, every mile. Some of you have run many more miles than I have, but I got the paperwork, okay? <laughs> a few years ago, I brought to this stage all of my log books. There are 44 of them. So I made it a little simpler today because at every significant running milestone, I've retired the shoes I ran in that day. My good brother, my dear brother, after my 10,000th mile, had this, this shoe mounted to commemorate that particular run. It was very kind of him. Now, here are, uh, here are my shoes for 20,000 20, miles. These are looking, this is looking a little rough right here. Uh, here are the shoes I ran in when I ran in my 50th state. I'm running all the states, and that was, these are the shoes I ran in. Uh, here are the shoes that I ran in when I ran my 24,901st mile, which is the circumference of the earth, okay? And here are my 25,000 mile shoes. Now, as I stand here before you with these shoes, I wonder if I made a tremendous mistake because I know that this is kind of weird. I know that a normal person doesn't necessarily get obsessive about stuff like this. I feel a little bit like the, the, those people who die and their family finds like 75 cats living in the house and they're all wearing different little outfits. I feel a little bit like that. But hey, I'm committed. 
I'm committed. And my commitment to, to running has taken me to, to tremendous places, wonderful people. What does it mean to be fully committed to God? Is it like being committed to running or committed to family or committed to making money? Is there a difference between being partially committed, half committed, casually committed, fully committed? Well, today we're gonna consider five things in regard to a commitment to God in this new year, 2022. And here's the first one. I commit my life to Christ. That is foundational. Before anything else can happen, you gotta get to know God through his son, Jesus Christ. You were put on this earth to know God. He has made you with the, the, the capacity to know him. Frankly, this is the most important issue in your life. There are other important issues. You, you don't get out of school very long and you figure out, I'm gonna have to support myself. Now, life isn't free. So one of the first essential questions of life is, what, what am I gonna live on? Now most people eventually figure that out. They get some kind of job or they get a career. Second question is this, who am I gonna live with? Am I gonna get married or am I gonna be single? And if I marry, who will I marry? So who am I gonna live with? Most people eventually figure that one out. They, they, they're either single or they get married. Now, you can mess up on those two. What am I gonna live on? What am I gonna live with? And it, it'll, it'll bring pain to your life perhaps, but it's not eternal. But if you miss the most important question, who am I gonna live for? That has eternal implications. I mean, hear this please, our commitment to God determines where we dwell for eternity. Now, if you've been here for any time at all, you, you know that hope is not some hellfire brimstone kind of place. We have chosen to present the gospel in a way that we pray draws people to God by seeing the beauty of his love and the power of his grace. But don't confuse our approach with the rejection of hell. Hell is a real place. A while back, I, I preached a sermon entitled, Is Hell for Real or Is It Just Really Hot in Here? Let me give you the Cliff Notes version of that sermon. Here, they, here it is. Number one, hell is a real place. Number two, you don't want to go there. Number three, you don't have to go there. But back to our point, the consequences associated with hell have everything to do with who you commit your life to. Because you're gonna live for somebody. You're gonna live for somebody. You're gonna live for the approval of the world around you, or the approval of your boss, or the approval of a significant other, or the approval of yourself. Or, you're gonna live for the God who made you, and who made you for a reason. So we, we gotta start by committing our life to Christ. And I know some of you are saying in this room or watching online, okay, I've heard that before. But I, I have no idea what that means. That is religious mumbo jumbo to me. Well, I get that. And I want you to hear this passage from Paul. This passage kind of spells it out for me in Romans 10, 9. Paul says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I mean, God made it, made it pretty simple. He said, here's what you do if you wanna be saved and commit your life to me. You believe in God, you believe God raised Christ from the dead, Easter, right? And, and confess with your mouth that, Jesus is the Lord of your life. And, and the word 
Lord is an old English term for the, for the, the guy in charge, the boss, the director. God wants to be the director of your life. He wants to be the manager of your life. He has a plan for your life. And so you gotta settle this first issue. And many of you have already made this first commitment. You committed your life to Christ as a child or as a, a, a teenager at a camp or perhaps even here at Hope. If you haven't done that yet, you can do it today. You can do it today, you can say, Jesus Christ, I believe that you are God, that you were raised from the dead, and on this second day of 2022, I open my heart to you, and I wanna commit myself to you for the rest of my life. You can do that. And that commitment will affect your eternity. There was a, a, a little boy stealing watermelons, and he got caught by the preacher. If, if you heard this story, try and stop me, okay? And the preacher said, uh, son, do you, you know what you did was wrong? And the little boy said, yes, sir. He said, are you sorry for what you did? He said, yes, sir. And the preacher thought this might be a good time to talk to the boy about his eternal destiny. And so he said, son, do you wanna go to heaven? And the boy quickly said, oh, no, sir. He said, you don't wanna go to heaven? No, sir. The preacher was shocked. And so he asked the third time, son, you don't wanna go to heaven when you die? And the boy said, Oh, yes, sir. I thought you were rounding up a load for today. I, I didn't want to do that. <laughs> the first commitment is to commit your lives to Christ. But that's just the foundation. Once you've committed your life to Christ, there's so much more than that. God has so much more in store for you. Here's the next commitment. I commit to being a member of his family. I commit to being a member of his family. 1 Peter 1.3. God has given us the privilege of being born again so that we are now members of God's own family. God doesn't expect us to go life, through life without support. He never meant for us to handle all our problems on our own. He wants to put support and encouragement and other people around us. So he created a family and he calls that family the church. The Bible says it's a privilege to be a part of the church family. Don't make light of that privilege. Don't think it's not important. Now I know, I know, Y'all just spent a couple of weeks with your family, right? I know it's not perfect, right? I know you got that uncle or that grandparent or that cousin that's completely out of their mind. Well, we have that here, so that's a good thing. But it's important to be a part of the family. We need the family of God in our lives. I mean, just like a child without a family is an orphan, a Christian without a church is a spiritual orphan. The Christian life involves more than just believing. It involves belonging. You say, I, I believe in Jesus. That's fabulous. You're on your way. You also need to, to belong to his family. The Bible says we're, we're not only to be committed to Christ, but we're supposed to be committed to each other, other Christians. Romans 12, 10 says this very clearly. Be devoted to one another in love. A few years ago, a good friend of mine went through the most difficult time of his life. His heart stopped beating several times. By the time I got to the hospital, it was very, very grim. To have him with us today is a bona fide miracle. I see him at the stirring almost every weekend. But almost as dramatic as the healing that God provided in his life was the outpouring of the family of faith during those days. His small group, his urban ministry friends, his men's group, and other Christian people all rallied around him and his family. In my, in my years of ministry, I've rarely seen anything like that. 
You know why it happened? It happened because he had made an investment in the second commitment. He had said, I'm going to embrace my family of faith. And as a result, when he needed them most, they embraced him right back. If you're not a part of a church, there are tons of great churches in Memphis. Find one. Find one and get committed. Move from being just a spectator to being a participant. Move from being a consumer to being a contributor. Move from, from being an attender to actually being a member. Go through the class here at Hope that we call uh, Introducing Hope Series. You can sign up today if you wanna do it. So I need to commit my life to Christ, then commit to a body of Christians called the church. Here's the third commitment. I commit to being a model of the life of Christ. When you become a Christian, God says, I want you to represent me in the way you live your life. The term Christian, in its original usage, was really meant to be a derogatory term. When they first used it, it was kind of a slur. It meant, it meant you're a little Christ. They'd say, that person is just like Jesus. She's a, she's a little Christ. He's a Christian. Has anybody ever accused you of being like Christ? If so, why? If not, why not? Frankly, I have, I have many more people tell me that I look like Jesus than I have people tell me I act like Jesus. I need to reverse that trend. And, and honestly, I currently look more like Moses than I look like Jesus, if we're gonna tell the truth. You wanna know the goal of spiritual maturity? God wants you to grow up and be like Jesus. As you grow, God wants you to learn to act the way Jesus acted. Think the way he thought. Feel about life and people the way he felt about life and people. And it's not a particularly easy process. For most of us, it's a long, hard process. It will take the rest of our lives. But the secret of becoming like Jesus is getting to know Jesus. And one of the ways we get to know him is by reading about him. I have this, this historical bent to me, and I will on occasion get excited about a person in history and read everything that I can about that person. I did that with Abraham Lincoln. I did it with Martin Luther King Jr. I did it with the Kennedys, and it took work, but it was work that, was, that I was passionate about at that time. We need to be people who are passionate about knowing who Jesus is. And for, for instance, the best and most effective way to know who Jesus is is to read the Bible. There's no real shortcut. And when, when we begin to fall in love with him from the pages of scripture, we begin to imitate him. I mean, in 1 Peter 2.21, it simply says, you should follow in his steps. Paul says in a letter to his friends in Corinth, he says, Paul says, imitate me just as I also imitate Jesus, as I imitate Christ. If I'm gonna be all that God wants me to be, I commit my life to Christ, I commit to being a member of his family, I commit to being a model of his, of his life, and what else? I commit to being a giver of his grace. You know, God does not ask you to do everything in the world, but he does ask you to do something. And, and, and if you wanna know what God's will for your life is, look at how he has shaped your life. Look at your gifts, look at your talents, look at your abilities, look at your heart, your personality, your experiences, your opportunities, your educational background. You look at all these things, God doesn't waste those things. 
what you're good at and what you love to do. God wants to use you to help other people. Why would God give you talents and passions and then not use them? That'd be such a waste. If you want to know what God's will is for your life, you need to look at those things. Years ago, years, uh, two years ago, uh, some guys approached me with a couple things. They both had a, a love for God and a love for basketball. They're wondering how on earth these things might mix. And out of their passions and gifts, we began an inner city basketball camp that we ran for several summers. We took Christian college players and we ran a week-long camp for inner city kids. And in the middle of it, we contacted another Hope member who had played in the NBA for six or seven years. And he came each week and talked to the kids about basketball and about his faith. That's how we did it. First Peter 4.10 says, God has given each of you some special abilities. Be sure to use them to help each other, passing on to others God's many kinds of blessings. Notice, it doesn't say God has given each of you some special abilities to retire on, to become famous with, to get a big ego over. No, but to help each other, passing on to others God's many kinds of blessings. That's what it says. Jesus himself said in Matthew, Matthew 20, 28, your attitude must be like my own, for I, the Messiah, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. God expects you, if you're gonna be like Christ, to learn to serve. Now, many of us in this room have been growing as Christians for months and months or even years and years, and we still have, don't have a ministry. You still don't have a place to regularly serve where you un unselfishly give back without reward, without remuneration, some, some of you have been members of a small group for years and years. By now, you, you could be and should be leading a small group. But you say you don't want to leave the fellowship of your small group. I get that, fine. Stay in that group of fellowship and start a new one so you've got a ministry. So that you're actually giving out, developing as a leader. Years ago, Patty and I worshiped in a small United Methodist Church in San Francisco. And on the back of the bulletin, I'll never forget this, was a listing of their staff. Pastor and her name, the organist, her name, facilities director, his name. And then on the last line it said, ministers. And after the word ministers, it said, all the members of Wayfarer United Methodist Church. That not, not only illustrates this point well, it's just plain old good theology. There's one other commitment God wants us to make. If I wanna be all that he wants me to be in life, I need to be a member of his family, a model of his life, minister of his grace, and then finally, I commit to being a messenger of his love. Because you see, this is ultimately what's gonna change the world. Sharing one-on-one -on -one the good news of Jesus Christ. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, beginning in verse 19, he says, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So, so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. I mean, do you, do you know that you're an ambassador? 
I mean, what is an ambassador? Somebody who represents somebody else. The Bible says when you become a believer, you become an ambassador for Jesus Christ. You see, for people around you, you may be the only Christian they really know personally, the only Christian they're ever really close to and ever really talk to. We're to share the wonderful message he's given us to tell others. And let me say something here. We need to be better human beings. The last airline flight I was on, the pilot went to each section of the plane basically pleading with us to behave ourselves. I'd never seen the pilot do this. He went three different places. He asked us to wear our mask and not to clown. And it makes me sick when Jesus' followers of all people engage in such foolishness. I, I, I don't know what it is, but it's not being an ambassador for Jesus Christ. I'll, I'll guarantee you that. We are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. What's the best news you've ever heard? The best news I've ever heard is this, that everything I've ever done wrong can be completely forgiven and that I don't have to earn my way to heaven, but it's a free gift and all I have to do is accept it by faith when I open my life up to Christ. That's the greatest news I've ever heard. And the world is dying to hear that. And the world is far more ready to receive the news than we are ready to share it. Most of the time we Christians walk around acting like we got some kind of bad cold that we don't want to spread with anybody. But Jesus Christ is the best news in the world. And, and listen, you don't have to be a theologian to share it. Trust me, God loves you. He has a plan for your life. And Jesus came and died and rose again, and he is the bridge to heaven. It's simple. Everybody needs to hear that message. So these are the five commitments. How committed are you? You committed to one or two of these? You're on your way, great job. You committed to three or four of these? That's super, keep going. You committed to all five? Man, that's incredible. Now, let me ask you, are you half committed? Are you casually committed? Are you totally committed? And I know some of you are thinking, man, I, man I, this is second day of 2022. I'd love to make these commitments, but I'm scared. I'm afraid if I totally commit my life to Christ, I become a fanatic or I'm gonna lose my freedom, I'm gonna lose my friends, I'm not gonna have any more fun. Or you say, I, I'm afraid if I make these commitments, I, I'll fall, I'll fail, I'll stumble. Well, guess what? You will. Count on it. God's not asking for perfection, he's asking for commitment. Or you say, I'm afraid to make these commitments. I guess I don't love God enough. Look, friends, with all due respect, that's not your problem. The problem isn't that you don't love God enough. The problem is you don't realize how much he loves you. And when you know how much God loves you, commitment becomes much easier. If you're not committed to any of these things, then what are you committed to? Making money, being happy, to having fun, to being beautiful or handsome, to staying fit. Let me say one more thing about this running deal. 
I love running. It has meant the world to me. But if my significance is tied up in my running, then I am in huge trouble. The logbooks, the 44 logbooks I have do not lie. The times I ran in 1981 are not the times I can run in 2022. The miles I clicked off in 1978 are not the miles I can click off in 2022. Paul writes this great passage in Philippians 3. I encourage you to look at it this week. He begins by listing all of his accomplishments and his abilities, and they are a very impressive list, quite a resume. Then he writes these words in Philippians 3, 7. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. These stupid shoes are rubbish. They are nothing compared to knowing Christ, nothing. If your significance is wrapped up in your athletic abilities, those abilities will falter. If your significance is wrapped up in your looks, your looks will fade. If you are committed to your intelligence, it will fade. If you're committed to your money, it's not committed to you. Because when you die, it will stay wherever you last put it. But a commitment to Christ is eternal. It's eternal business and it is a business that will not only transform you, but will transform the world around you. Happy New Year. I pray that we might be people who are committed to Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father God, for many of us, commitment has been a lifelong problem. We've had trouble committing to school. Then we had trouble committing to a relationship. Then we have trouble committing to a job that works for us. And all along the way, we had trouble committing to knowing you. Is it time for that to change? Is it time this January 2nd, 2022 to become a new person? If it is, then we need your help to do it. Father, we have proven our weakness and now we need you to prove once again your strength. Thank you. May we grow in your maturity. May we imitate Jesus. And I pray this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. I'm Daniel Oppenheisen, musical worship director at Hope. If you were encouraged by today's message, make sure to hit subscribe on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience previous messages, videos, and our live worship experience, visit us online at hopechurchmemphis.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Again, thanks for listening to the Hope Church Memphis podcast.